GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello and thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. It's GCSE Results Day and we spoke to some of the students celebrating their achievements as well as their teachers and the Department of Education. Did you know that you have to pay back missed social insurance payments within a year if you take unpaid maternity leave? We heard from Nadia Ivanova-Banda and Nadine Bonfante on their maternity experiences. Also, there's something really good and fresh on GBC television tonight. We held our first ever summer broadcasting camp this year, which saw 12 children get hands-on experience of writing, directing, filming and even producing their own stories. And tonight we'll be able to see the fruits of their work with a special TV show at 8pm. I spoke to Max de Soisa about it. And live music continues at the fair's family pavilion. Karen Bosso of the Musicians Association joined me together with the band Sidelines Christian Correa. But first... Three more men, a serving police officer and two former officers, have been arrested on suspicion of falsifying accounts against former police commissioner Ian McGrail. The arrests were carried out at 7 o'clock this morning. Jonathan Sacramento joined me with the details of what could loosely be described as the latest developments in the ongoing McGrail saga. So, three arrested, uh, and they have all been Uh, arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to pervert the cause of justice in relation to false accounts that were given against uh, the former commissioner. Why is this significant? Well, because all three uh, arrested are either serving or former Royal Gibraltar police officers. In fact, two uh, are former officers uh, aged 47 and 40, and one is a serving officer aged 34. There are two more that were arrested last month. Uh, Again, one uh, arrested for uh, a former officer uh, for... Sorry, let me correct that. A, A current serving officer was arrested last month on suspicion of perverting the course of justice and a 36-year-old former officer uh, on suspicion of fabricating evidence against Mr. McGrail. Those were last month. These three have just been arrested today, so that brings the total up to five. And yes. And it seems that they're uh, certainly similar, uh, arrested on suspicion of similar acts. Yes, it, well, it's all tied into the same investigation. Uh, it's the investigation being carried out by Senior Investigating Officer John McVeigh. Uh, why was he brought in? Well, it's uh, it's because he, it, it, at the request of uh, former, uh, the current, sorry, the, these <laughs> former commissioner and current commissioner things just, they they, uh, they become interchangeable after a while. But, um, current police uh, commissioner Richard Alger issued a request uh, to UK policing um, under what is described as uh, mutual aid. So this is when, when one police force lends assistance to another. Uh, and he asked uh, Northern Ireland police force uh, for assistance and uh, they supplied uh, our force or supplemented our force with a now sworn in RGP officer, uh, investigating officer John McVeigh. He's the one that's uh, carrying out. And this is um, this uh, investigation is why the McGoyle inquiry itself has been delayed next month. Absolutely. And uh, just to be clear, then uh, five, a total of five have been arrested. Three of them today. None of them charged. None of them charged yet. No. 
No, yeah. this so investigation is ongoing. Yeah, and uh, usually GBC would not reveal a name um, unless it was a public figure until such time as uh, somebody is charged. That's correct. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Students in Gibraltar are celebrating their GCSE results. Bayside and Westside have an impressive overall pass rate of uh, 99% for grades 9 to 1. Uh, Shalina Asamal has been covering the story for us uh, and joins me now. Shalina, um, uh, lots of smiles, I guess, lots of happy yeah. students. Yeah, it's an exciting day. You can really feel the energy with the students. Uh, we saw many of them um, in Chatham Counter Guard and in Casemates having some celebratory breakfasts and indeed very big smiles. Um, as you mentioned, a 99% pass rate for grades uh, 9 to 1. We're still waiting on the rest of the statistics to unpack that a little bit further, but it might be worth reminding people because I, I get confused with this too. Uh, 9 is a, a top grade uh, it's all considered a pass. Um, four and above is um, what you'd need to essentially move on to A-levels. Um, there's been a few different points this year uh, worth discussing. Um, we've all seen the news in the UK about uh, concerns over top grades dipping. Uh, that has happened, effectively. We've seen the news come through today. Uh, locally, uh, we have seen fewer top grades of a, a grade nine, uh, uh, but overall, teachers are, are very happy with the results that they've received. Um, it's also the first year of a co-ed for exams. So uh, girls and boys sitting exams for the first time uh, together and uh, loads of positive feedback about that, actually. And that's just because, uh, you know, co-education was introduced when they were starting Bayside and, and Westside and now they Exactly. They've... So it's been slowly phased in over the years. Uh, once the schools opened, year eight started and they went from there. But this is the first time that a, a mixed group has done an exam, uh, sat their exams and got a qualification. So uh, it was interesting to hear how that's changed, you know, the process for students. Um, and yeah, we're, we're still just sort of waiting on the numbers. We'll develop it over the day. But I think the most important thing is to hear from those um, students. So yeah. let's hear from them. Excellent. Well, I'm really happy. I thought I was going to do worse than what I did. So I'm really, really, really like over the moon. At the end of the day, all the hard work has paid off and it's it's worth it. That's because I honestly thought I was going to fail most of them. But when I opened that, I was honestly like such a surprise seeing those numbers. Like It's something I can't explain. I thought I was going to do much worse than I did. But I was like sick every day. <laughs> My tummy was horrible, but it was worth it. Well, last night I was like really freaking out, you know, very nervous. And this morning as well. I felt like I was like gonna be sick but as soon as I got in you know I saw my friends and I was like okay like it's gonna be okay I opened my results and I was like oh it's not that bad like it's fine <laughs> I'm feeling really happy I feel really proud of myself that I've accomplished um, something big it's stepping stone for A-levels the A-level grade boundaries were apparently really hard which often means that the GCSE ones are gonna be like the same so I'm yeah I'm pretty happy with my results to be honest I thought I was going to fail a few things just because of the high grade boundaries, but I didn't, so I'm quite happy. But yeah, I was expecting a bit high on certain subjects, but it is what it is, no? <laughs> yeah, biology, I didn't expect it. I ended up getting an ESOS star. I got my nine. Um, yeah, when I saw that, that was the only one that I cared about. I flipped. I'm like, Mom, I got the ESOS star. I thought I could have done better, but I've gotten my five GCSEs, so I'm able to carry on with A levels. I'm really happy with my math grade because I genuinely the exams did not go as well as I wanted them to. I really struggled with mathematics, and I got a five, which for me was incredible. 
thinking something about like pharmacy in the future or something like more sciencey. I actually want to go to university to beauty school because I really like um, I would really like to be a beauty therapist when I'm older. Going to meet my family now for breakfast and then going to the beach and later have a party. Now we're having breakfast we're gonna go through school so then we're gonna take some pictures go to the beach and then we're gonna go to the fair for a bit and then go to Boyd's which have a party tonight. Ah, party tonight. I party, remember the party. days. Yeah, it does feel like a long time ago. But uh, yeah, that party. For you. For me, so I'm sorry, but it must feel like a long while for you. Yeah, it's a different but, century for me. <laughs> but uh, everyone's looking forward to that party. You know, very well deserved after a long summer of waiting for their exams. Uh, it's actually worth noting um, quite a few of the students I spoke to were going on to do things like music, performance, and, um, you know, offering subjects like that which have only been introduced fairly recently um it seems like it's really allowed some some students to take on a more vocational approach to the, to their education and uh, the fact so many actually mentioned they were doing it just shows the popularity i think behind those yeah beautiful well, arts uh they, they enrich our lives and make us feel I don't know, gives us, sometimes help to give our lives meaning mm, so why not pursue something if you love it yeah and that they can do it from a young age now it's great did you know that you have to pay back missed social insurance payments within a year if you take unpaid maternity leave? If you don't, you may end up with a lower monthly state pension or having to work a little bit longer before you retire. Nadia Ivanova Banda is herself self-employed, says that it's been like opening a Pandora's box trying to navigate maternity leave and social insurance contributions in Gibraltar. And uh, Nadia joins me now. Um, so, Nadia, um, take us back to when you first uh, found out about this and, uh, you know, and what your reaction was. Oh, so first of all, um, I think I would like to go back a little bit more. So I registered as self-employed about four and a half years back now, coming up to five. Okay. And it's been the most stressful experience in my life. It's very difficult to navigate all the paperwork that you have to submit. And um, as a self-employed woman, it's even harder because you have to pay voluntary maternity, um, social insurance contributions. I didn't know at the time I had issues with that. I ended up not even receiving the maternity allowance. And recently, um, with a couple of mom friends, we started talking about what happens to those contributions that you're meant to be doing while you're on unpaid maternity leave, but you're not doing because you're effectively not in the receipt of income salary. during those during those times. Um, because unfortunately, maternity is not guaranteed in Gibraltar. Some government employers offer it, some private employers offer it, but you have to be really lucky if you're employed in the private sector mm. to actually get maternity yeah, sure. payments. What is it, two weeks? No, that's a um, no, the government one. Law. So no, for in, me, in, in law for private companies, it need to give you a minimum of two weeks. Yeah, yeah, two but weeks then, is yeah, is, yeah, two nothing. Weeks is nothing. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> then it's up to them. I have a child who is one year and eight months. I can tell you, two weeks. You don't even understand that you've come out of hospital yeah. and you have a newborn in the house yeah, in those two you're, weeks. You're still very you still dizzy don't know what happened, and what still happened. getting your, your, exactly. yeah, used to it all. So recently, um, I heard that you now only have a year to pay the social insurance contributions. So, of course, I didn't want to miss out on this because eventually that will affect, or then that may affect, actually, better way to put it, my pension, my state pension, because there's a minimum of contributions that need to be done throughout a person's working life. I didn't, I wasn't born and raised in Gibraltar. I moved here. So I'm already a few years behind on 
how the system so worked. To say. No, uh, no contributions. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. You know, I didn't. I didn't start working when when I was eighteen in Gibraltar. I was working abroad. Sure. So I'm already a few years behind on those contributions. So I started trying to find out how does it work for a self-employed individual? Because when I first went on maternity. I rang the tax office, I rang the Department of Social Security, they just told me, oh, you just stopped paying taxes for those times. Later on, I found out that there's actually a form that needs to be filled in, submitted to the tax office. You know, it, it comes with its, all, it, with its own kind of set of complications that you need to do. So now I'm in the process of trying to find out what I need to do, what I can do, um, because I was actually told that as a self-employed individual, I cannot be registered both as self-employed and paying voluntary social insurance contributions. So it seems like I can't even pay them even if I wanted to. Now you're out of time. Yeah? You had a window? No, and... I have. I still have the window. I'm still within the window, oh, right. I believe, because I'm still not sure if that window starts when you go on maternity leave or when you come back from maternity leave. This is still super unclear right. to me and all my friends. And I, I have a lot of Mom, friends, you know, in Gibraltar, it's a small community. When you have a baby, you yeah. tend to make a lot of friendships of at baby dancing, at baby swimming, at baby yoga. You know, they have a better social life than us at the end of the day. <laughs> so I'm still in the process of trying to find out what exactly I need to do. Um, you know, the people in the pensions department um, were very helpful, but they said that, you know, it's still too soon for them to be able to make an estimate on you know, my pension, so they don't even know if this is going to affect me, how this is going to affect me. Now, do I pay these social insurance? Can I pay those social insurance? This is still a bit all up in the air. I've been in contact with both um, the social insurance contribution sector section as well as the um, pension section of the Department of Social Security, and I still don't know what's happening. But it's one of those things that you think in this day and age, this shouldn't be so hard. We shouldn't have to be penalized for taking time off to raise not just Gibraltar's future, but, you know, children that are going to that are going to be our future. Um, And, you know, when speaking of equality between between men and women, it's still it's still unfortunately just uh, just the dream, because, you know, if I take that year off. I'm penalized with the social insurance contributions that I may have to pay afterwards. But if I've only just gone back to work after being on unpaid leave for a year, you know, I'm still trying to recover my finances. Babies are very expensive. Um, also, you know, I've I've interrupted my career for a year. So it's it's all the all these questions still remain unanswered in this day and age. And I don't think it's fair on us because my husband couldn't even take more than two weeks of paternity leave. I know this is now in the process of hopefully being changed. Well, it's been reviewed. Yes. Well, let's hope that this review actually comes with a positive outcome because a review doesn't necessarily mean that something will be changed or not. So, you know, hope dies last. Um, But yeah, I wish there was a place or somebody that you could speak to or information. You know, there's the the EGAF system is great if it did everything that it needed to do. I don't think it's quite there yet. I've had to deal with it quite a lot, especially self-employed, you know, paying my own social insurance contributions, paying my own taxes. There's not one place where you can go and find out all the information. And when you go to a counter, before COVID, you could go to a counter. Now I still don't know if it's if if the counters are even open. I use phone and email to communicate. But often you also get different information depending on who you speak to. So it would be great if, you know, people were actually made aware of, of all of those things. I know quite a few of my mom friends have actually missed that window because they didn't realize that the law has changed or that, you know, the rules have changed, then I don't think that's 
that's fair. Yeah, well, we're talking because GBC ran a story on this, and 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 there was considerable, uh, there was a considerable number of comments on it, and uh, we're going to bring uh, a short um, uh, clip now from one of those mothers who who felt similarly to you, Nadia. Uh, let's uh, let's allow Nadine Bonfante uh, to tell us uh, how this situation has affected her and what she thinks of it. My main issue has been with the maternity allowance. Essentially, I felt penalised for having had my second and my fourth child closely after I had had my first and my third. It meant that I had didn't have enough contributions, social insurance contributions, between my first and second child and my third and my fourth. Even though I had worked the 15 weeks up to my due date, in these instances they didn't, they weren't considered for the purposes of calculating the maternity allowance, which felt very, very unfair and there just was no reasoning for it. Also, I had been contributed for social insurance for years before that. I obviously will continue to do it for years going on, and my spouse was also contributing. I just found that really unfair, and I've generally found that sort of taking any kind of career break, pause or reduced hours, um, which means reduced income, in order to be at home with your kids is not sort of considered in any way to have any value both in terms of the allowances that you're given there's no tax relief for the months that you are unpaid i mean two of my maternity leaves were wholly unpaid there was no dependent tax relief or anything like that even though for that period i was obviously depending on my husband's income so i i have found it unfair and and i and i have felt that there has been no value to having made the choice because that's what equality is all about it's not just women being able to work in the same places as men it's women and men being able to choose not to work for a certain period to be able to raise your family i mean there is a lot of value in that surely Thank you to Nadine Bonfante for sharing her thoughts and making clear that sense of unfairness um, that uh, motherhood isn't necessarily valued in the way that it should uh, and I think sort of resonating with some of your feelings, Nadia. Absolutely. I found myself in the same boat. I was four weekly payments of £2.20 short for the maternity allowance, even though I have been contributing tax and social insurance for the last 15 years in Gibraltar, I actually checked and it was May 2008 when I I moved here and I started contributing. And apparently that was not enough. Um, And I missed £8.18 total to be able to take advantage of the maternity allowance, even though my husband has also been working since he turned 18 and I've been contributing and, you know, it's our first child. So it's not like we've had children in school. You know, we've never been a burden on the system. We've always rented privately, then bought um, an apartment. And I also felt just like Nadine, I felt that it was really unfair because they should look at the contributions a little bit further back, especially as self-employed, I have to continue. I have to actually voluntarily start paying those £2.20. Men don't have to pay that. Why should I have to pay it? And even if I was entitled to the allowance, please don't quote me on the amount because I, since I wasn't entitled, I don't know the exact amount. But as far as I know, it's 14 weeks of 80-something pounds a week. That doesn't pay bills. That doesn't pay rent or mortgage. Or that barely covers nappies and formula if the baby is not breastfed. And I don't know how they expect us to survive on that. I really don't. And for 14 weeks, what am I to do with a 14 week old? What am I to do with a 14 week old baby? Put it in nursery? What's the point of having children then if somebody else is going to raise them for me? 
and and it's this idea which i think a lot of people um have um ha- have shared as young parents that it, it is difficult and that the the state needs to look at what other places are doing um you know the nordic country sweden for example is often um referred to uh, it, it, it th- there are places that are handling it better uh, than we are at the moment that we could learn from no? We're still handling it um, a little bit better than the US, where they have absolutely nothing. But in terms of looking at what's happening in Europe, I come from Bulgaria. In Bulgaria, you have one year of full pay, one year of minimum wage, and you can take a third year unpaid. Compare wow. that to the 14 weeks. And Bulgaria is, I don't want to call it a third world country, it's called a developing, con- developing country now. But, you know, they're miles behind Gibraltar in a lot of other senses. So I think Jib really needs to look at the standard across Europe and look at what other countries are doing and really look into it because there's been a lot of issues in many countries with, with you know, population growth and, and, you know, not enough children being born. And I don't blame them. I don't blame people. I'm not sure if I want to have a second child under these conditions because it's been very hard to take unpaid leave for a year and then have to, you know, sustain a new family with a lot a lot of new expenses on my husband's salary so is it, it you'll go so far as to say that it, it it's it's having an influence on 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 your decision on it whether really to is. expand really your is. family it really is because if you you know once you've gone through it and you know what the implications are it's hard i'm going to need a few years just to save enough money to be able to take unpaid leave again and i don't think that should be the case because as a society, we need families, we need people um, to, uh, when we're older, to, to pay for our, our, our upkeep and our health system and all the rest of it with their contributions and, and keeping the economy going. And keeping the world going. And, uh, you know? Quite apart from, you know, sort of brightening our days and, and, and enriching our lives. But of yeah. Okay, Nadia, well, um, in short, before we let you go, what are your hopes and, and, and expectations? You, we spoke about the review. What my, things would you like them to capture? So my, my hopes are that things would really be looked into, especially in terms of, again, I know it's, it's a cliche word, equality, um, allowing fathers to participate in the raising of the children so they can also build that bond with their child. Also reviewing. So, so this is the concept of parental leave, for example, that you can decide it's how not, you it decide. It should be maternity. It should be paternal leave in 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 the first place, um, because you know some dads do a cracking job. My husband is a fantastic dad, but he doesn't have enough time to spend with with our child. And at the moment, the law uh, expects that the uh, us, uh, uh, the way that we are set up, we the expectation is on the mother to yes. to do the the there's, bulk of the. There's no there's no guaranteed paternal leave. In the law, there's the, the, the whole way we look at the contributions, I think, should be reviewed. If you've been contributing for 15 years and your four payments of £2.20 short, let the person pay them or look at their history of contributions. Um, you know, also look at, look at how we look at how we deal with those contributions. If the person is forced to take unpaid leave, taking unpaid leave was not my first choice. But I'm self-employed. I'm a full-time consultant for a company that is not registered in Gibraltar. So I wasn't entitled to anything. So my first choice would have not been to take fully unpaid leave. But I had I had no other option. No other so, option yeah. And I don't want this to then penalize me in the long run and make sure and mean that I either 
I'm going to fall short from receiving the pension that I'm entitled to or or the pension that I've not entitled to, the pension that I've worked for my entire life or mean that I have to work an extra year to make up for raising Gibraltar's future. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Sometimes they say don't work with animals, don't work with children, but, um, but you, you worked with children. I did. And for me... Like a lot of my work experience, like throughout the years, has mainly been with kids. So this is the first time that I got to sort of like marry the two. I mean, I used to photograph family portraits, and that was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> But um, this was really fun because it was a group of young people, aged between, like you said, nine and twelve, who have an interest in broadcasting. Even if it's just they really like listening to the radio every day and want to get involved and find out how it all works, or they just like watching the news with their family and they just want to see you know, behind the scenes and how that all gets put together. And I think that they've had a really good experience. And um, the first episode is um, a look into how uh, they got on doing their own news bulletin. So the whole thing was written by themselves. So you might hear some very silly stories. You might hear some... Take, Strangely take, di- dramatic stories. Take them with a pinch of salt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, we told them you can either have a serious story or you can have a funny story or both. And some of them took that really literally, and which is great. Like it's it's amazing to see their sort of imagination how they how they took that. Some of them are very good writers, actually. Um, we had one kid. I'm going to give Jake a special shout out. He had to do a camera change, and for those of you who don't know, that's um, when you're looking at, for example, camera two, and you have to switch to camera three live. And he did that amazingly. Like I don't know, there's just something about it. He's just got that in him, and it was it was really nice. It was good. Okay, well let's let's hear from um, from some of those who have been in uh, the summer camp with you. Good evening. This is Ethan Pierce with the GBC News. Tonight's top stories: unicorn discovered on top of the rock, monkey steals pop star's sunglasses, and a ride at the La Línea Feria gets stuck upside down. A few days ago, a La Línea Fair ride gets stuck upside down. Immediately, the GBC reporters drove down to interview some people. In the middle of an interview, the boy who had donuts before the ride threw up all in the reporter's face. The reporter says she's still finding bits of donut all over her. <laughs> oh, poor Kelly! Donut vomited all over her <laughs> in this imaginary scenario. <laughs> um, fun at the fair, apparently. Yeah, fun, fun at the Lilini affair because obviously this um, this camp took place um, the end of mid to end of July. Was when the La Línea Fair was going. So if we had known that this was going to be premiered during the Gibraltar Fair, maybe we would have done it that way. But no, yeah, yeah it was it was good. It was nice. And um, uh, so, so some really talented young people mm. who who sort of over the course of of the days that they were with you really um, learnt about um, broadcasting, and I'm sure that we also learnt a lot about them. Yeah, um, you get to see them like being in front of the camera being a bit more serious like delivering a weather report delivering the news and then there's also some behind the scenes sort of like outtakes um of them just you know being kids you know like it's nice seeing them in their little oversized blazers but it's also nice to just see them goofing around and you know, it, being silly i mean from what i've seen we're certainly going to get um some uh, fresh um a, a fresh television 
program, which mm. is not going to look like anything that we've produced recently, and, yeah. and that's always exciting. And and it features young people uh, who wanted to learn and and have learned more about broadcasting, mm. and 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 it, it's just great to have young people being part of our coverage you know, and and part of our TV content. Yeah, and not only have the kids, you know, done this program and featured in this program, uh, but they've also have it's like some of the kids have been given opportunities i don't know if anyone's been watching the coverage fun of the fair, the fair. Yeah, fun yeah. at the fair has been um has featured a few of our kids from the program so not only have they been able to learn and experience now we've also got been them as many presenters yeah, yeah. I, I love the piece i saw uh, the the latigo um yeah uh, <laughs> slow motion going round. <laughs> yeah, it was really good uh, it was um, really nice yeah so uh, at uh, the fair scoring the, the rides and... exactly two of our kids have been at the fair and that's Ethan and Jake, and they've gone on three of our rides and given them a rating out of five. They've been very tough raters, actually, very tough mm. crit- crit- critics. Um, so each of the nights at Fun at the Fair, they've reviewed a different ride. I, I also love seeing the the microphone dynamic. You know, like how they're kind of like, <laughs> right? I, I'm going to say something. Give me the microphone. Yes, like, so you- <laughs> I'm going to say something <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> they were very eager to to take the microphone off each other, and there are a few like. Um, Took the mic a bit too hot, so the the sound peaks. Is the, you know. we, we, we can work with that. Exactly, exactly. They're, they're still learning. <laughs> Karen Bosser and Sidelines Christian Correa are here now. Uh, good afternoon to you both. Um, so, so, good old days, what, what, what does that mean? Well, we, we did something similar last year, or um, with, you know, with the idea is that we have uh, music from, you know, years gone past. Um, it doesn't mean that it's just for the older generation. It's it's for everybody. Um, oh, every, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some timeless classics which keep on coming up in even exactly. in sort of um, you know current films and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And and you see a lot of a lot of the younger um, generation also singing along to some of these uh, some of these songs as well. So that's uh, so it's, it really is for everybody. But the idea is that we, we we always try and encompass the whole community as much as possible. Sometimes we have certain events which are more rock or or, or metal um, focused. Other times we you know uh we're looking to doing some classical stuff in the future and this is more really for you know just a, a wider older generation good stuff um so uh christian do you want to give us uh, an example of the sort of songs that you might feature um my band at least we're doing um we're doing a few songs from queen a few fr- songs from bon jovi metallica and iron maiden but obviously all acoustic so Good stuff. Uh, any particular favourite of yours there? I think it's all. It's, it's you've got to really, love Queen, right? I mean, yeah, Queen's it's, it's, just it's, so special. It's, it's very tricky to pick just one out of them because, you know, I, I, that's my childhood. At least. That's what I grew up listening to. Okay. Uh, so, so you selected these songs, like you, you, me and my yeah. friends. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And um, uh, and um, you, you think, as 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 Karen has said, that they still sort of remain relevant today. They take us back to. Uh, you know, when we first heard them and, and that sort of thing. No? I mean, of course, yeah, the timeless classics from Queen and Bon Jovi. I mean, you you can ask anyone. They, they'll know at least one song from each band. Brilliant. Good stuff. And, um, uh, Karen, this is uh, part of a, a sort of a, a broader collaboration, other bands involved. Um, was it easy to, to get them involved in the uh, Fairs Family Pavilion? Fortunately, musicians like to play. 
so whenever we put out a request for musicians we we tend to get a good response generally um the good thing is that it it involves different type of musicians from you know the the younger generation like christian to you know the more seasoned musician um and it and it is really uh, a wide spectrum of, of type of events or, or at least um acts uh including you know we've got renditions which are more like a choir not choir bass but they're more like a singer local group mm-hmm. um and then we've got other bands which are full you know full instruments etc etc so it's it, th- th- that's the beauty about this that we're able to to bring everybody in and everybody can do their bit for the community and what do you what do you make of the um the setup and and the you know the the setting as a, a as a place to play music are you you know are you excited is it is oh. it it's a good. I mean, it's got a good like uh, vibe. No, people oh, are yeah. quite laid back and and they're there yeah. to enjoy themselves. Of course, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's it's basically like a massive restaurant, isn't it? But with a really big stage. Um, it's also a very important kind of like time for Gibraltar, obviously, because everyone goes comes together and goes to the fair, sits down, eats. You know, it's it's a lo- it's a lovely setting for all sorts of music. I good think. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, have you been down there? Have you enjoyed the fair so far this week, you guys? Um, I, I had a walk around. Uh, didn't stay too long because I had other commitments. But but yeah, it's uh, the the area where the, the bands are playing. I mean, that, that tends to be usually very well organised, and and it tends to be um, a, an area where it's it's easy to play. Um, we always have the concerns about the sounds from from the rides because obviously as musicians we like to be able to express our art in in a way where we are able you know we're not sort of interrupted by other. By yeah, the sounds. So, so basically uh, the the uh, rides are, are mainly or, or I think they they should all be playing Radio Gibraltar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, but but that sort of uh, competes to some extent with the attention or for attention um, among people who are at the family pavilion. Right? It it can do yes. Um, I mean. I, I played there last year, and fortunately, we we were not interrupted by the music. It was it was actually very well balanced. Um, I haven't been on the stage this year with with the with the bands. My my band will be playing there on Saturday, so I'll be able to comment on that personally after Saturday. Um, but really, to be fair, normally it's it's normally very well organised. So it's yeah, a good, uh, it's a good ambiente, exactly. and and um, yeah, and it, and and it's part of what creates that atmosphere. And and you know, I, as you say, you'd you'd love to perform in uh, in some in a place which has perfect acoustics, I guess. But well, yeah. but but how do you get that? And also the the the, the great atmosphere that the fair offers. Um, yeah, difficult. Um, Great. So, so uh, you're supporting the fair the, the, tonight. We've got a number of of bands. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, sidelines, Christian, and, and 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 who's in it, and and for anyone who's not familiar with you? Well, of course. Um, in, obviously, I'm in sideline. Um, I also have two of my friends from school, Nikki Borda and Aidan Bryan. Um, I mean, we grew, not grew up, but from Bayside, at least we from, we played music together. So we just thought we might as well, you know, make a Band, we make a band, an acoustic band, and then we got asked by Mag to do um, a um, GBC Open Day gig, and well, that's our, that was our first gig, and then it just went from there. Um, How long have you been together now? About a year, I think, more or less. Um, a year, a year or two. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I lost count already. But the years merge into one for me as well, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you're enjoying your music. You guys are young. You're sort of you're you're taking you're bringing a fresh take. I'm sure on on those um, timeless classics, as you put it. Yeah, we 
we've also started pushing towards a rock band as well, like Kron's band, um, to continue doing that, but in a more, you know, obviously rock setting. Because, I mean, after all, that's how I started playing music in Gibraltar, and I'm sure many other people as well. So There is a, a strong affinity for rock in Gibraltar still, is. no? Yes. Rock is a very, very stable um, element of, of, of music in Gib. Um, and f- from from my own personal experience, when you, you, you sometimes you come out of that genre and people enjoy it, but then you go back into rock again for, and people just tend to just jump up and, and, and yeah. enjoy it. It, it is it is part of our our, our sort of dietary requirements with the music. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got great energy, no? Rock, uh, rock music. Yeah. Okay, uh, before we let you go, um, uh, Musicians Association have also yep. donated instruments to Possibilities. Um, That's correct. Do you want to tell us about that, Kevin? Yes, um, Possibilities came up with a post um, asking the community if they had any instruments to donate uh, for part of their music projects that they do in the school. Um, and we thought it, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what we do. We are music for the community. So we thought it was a great moment to be able to actually help. Um, so we, we put some money together, uh, bought some instruments, and we very happily donated this to, to the school. Oh, not to the school, but to possibilities. Sure, sure. Um, excellent. Well, good on you. Yeah. Thank you for doing that Thank on behalf so of the community, I guess. If, if you don't mind, before, um, apart from sidelines tonight, we've also yeah. got Eve, we've got renditions, um, and Red Velvet, who will be also taking the stage in at the fair. And in one sentence, uh, tell us about them. Um, very simple. Eve is a, a young and upcoming um, musician, and she's um, doing really, really well. Renditions are a vocal group that they've got a vast amount of experience, and Red Velvet is um, um, Ernest Slade and, and his sister who do like a, an acoustic, a little bit more than just your standard acoustic style um, on, on stage, so it's going to be Excellent. a good night. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.